Jayom Vishnupada Paramahamsa Paribhidaka Charja Astotarasatashi Shimada's Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Jayom Vishnupada Paramahamsa Paribhidaka Charja Astotarasatashi Shimada's Divine Grace Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Gosami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Ananta Kuti Vaishnavarinda Ki Iskan Bibiti Fandra Charja Srila Prabhupada Ki Iskan Guru Parampara Ki Shri Rup Shri Sanatan Bhatta Raghunath Shri Jeeva Gopal Bhatta Dasa Raghunath Sat Gosami Prabhu Ki Nama Charja Srila Haridas Thakur Ki Prem Se Kahu Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gradhar Shri Vasari Gora Bhakta Rinda Ki Shishi Radha Krishna Gopa Gopinath Shamakun Radakun Yiri Govardhan Ki Shri Vindamandam Ki Shri Maturadam Ki Shri Mayapurnamadvitam Ki Shri Jagannath Puridam Ki Shishi Radha Kalachanjadam Ki Ganga Devi Ki Jamunumai Ki Tulsi Devi Ki Bhakti Devi Ki Samaveda Bhakta Vrinda Ki Brihat Badanga Transcendental Book of Prasharam Distribution of Key. Natai Gaura Premananda. Hari Hari Bo. All glories to the Assembly devotees. Hari Krishna. All glories to the Assembly devotees. Hari Krishna. All glories to the Assembly devotees. Hari Krishna. All glories, all glories, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Gauranga. Namo Vishnavadaya Krishna Pastai Bhutale Shambhati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Niti Namane Namaste Sarasvati Devi Godapare Pachanane Nivishesha Sinavari Pastakta Deshatan Thank you all everyone for coming in to join us today. When I say coming in, I'm speaking figuratively. Very nice to know that uh, you're out there, that you're listening in spending some portion of your morning getting some philosophy. Uh, once upon a time, uh, our, God, our, our Guru Maharaj, uh, Tamal Krishna Goswami Maharaj, uh, once was asked uh, after a class that he was giving here in the temple, uh, if, you, if you can only come to one part of the morning program, which one should one come to? If you, did you remember hearing that Krishna Kripa Guru? It's probably at a time when you were in Houston already. Anyhow, he said, uh, he, he paused for a minute and he said, both are important, but if you have to come to only one, one portion of the morning program, then it should be the second part, which is kind of surprising to me because I thought Mangalartik, auspicious time of day, that's, that's a really good time to come. It's when not so many people here, you get real personal darshan of the deities. But he said, no, second time, second uh, portion beginning around 7 o'clock. He said, the reason is that, uh, so you can hear philosophy. And so I, I, I took that to heart. So I, I don't, I mean, it's rare that I have to miss a morning in hearing the Srimad Bhagavatam class. Uh, regardless of who is speaking in the temple room, because I feel that everyone who speaks is empowered to speak. Um, and so I, I, there's something to be gained then from hearing the words 
of one of one of our God sisters or God brothers. And when I say God sisters and God brothers, I don't mean just the disciples of Tamal Krishna Goswami. I'm talking about all of you who are listening in online, listening in by radio. So this morning's Srimad Bhagavatam class will be picking up from uh, where uh, Krishna Kripa Prabhu left off yesterday, Mother Antaryami the day before. And we'll start with text number 20. And I'm thinking uh, the purports are very, very short and, and very few. I'm thinking to uh, read until the end of the chapter. As a matter of fact, I think I would like to go back and read from the beginning of the chapter. There are only 34 verses in the chapter, so I think that I would like to uh, go back and read that. But for now, let's invoke the blessings of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaivanurutamam Deving Saraswatim Yasun Tato Jayam Uderoyat Nasta Praeshvabhadreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavat Yuttamashloke Bhakti Bhavari Naistiki Rantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai Shamasundra Prabhu Ki Jai So once again, the, the verse that we have written on the board today is number text number 20. And I believe that's correct, isn't it? Yes. Can you see it? Text number 20 and the ninth chapter of the twelfth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. So that's canto 12, chapter 9, text number 20. We'll begin by reciting, let's, let's just do a line for line recitation of text number 20. Sakadachid Brahmans Tasmin. Pritivya Kakuri Dvija Nyagrodha Puktam Dadrishe Pala Palava Shopitam Sakadachid Brahmans Tasmin Pritivya kakudai kakudi dvija Nyagrodha potam dadrishe Pala palava shopitam Chant please Sakarit, 
Welcome back, Nartamana Prabhu. It's always a pleasure to see your vehicle parked out there. I know that's, I know you're going to be here. So, word for word translation: Saha, he, kadachit, on one occasion, Brahmam, while wandering, uh, while while wandering, Tasmin, in that water. Pritivya of earth, Kakudi upon a raised place, Dvija the Brahmana, Nyagrodha Potam, a young banyan tree, Dadrishe saw Pala with fruits. Palava and blossoms, Shobhitam, decorated. Translation by the disciples of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada, Kijai. Once while wandering in the water, the Brahmana Markandeya discovered a small island upon which stood a young banyan tree bearing blossoms and fruits. Want to repeat with me, please? Once, while wandering in the water, the Brahmana Markandeya discovered a small island upon which stood a young banyan tree bearing blossoms and fruits. So I'm going to go back now, and I want to read, I'm just going to read the English translations all the way through, because it would take, it would take too long. And the whole purpose is so that uh, those of you who have been listening in um, sporadically may, uh, may hear this, this story of Markandeya Rishi seeing the illusory potency of the Lord. So, beginning with text number one. Sutta Goswami said, The Supreme Lord Narayan, the friend of Nara, was satisfied by the proper glorification offered by the intelligent sage Markandeya. Thus the Lord addressed that excellent descendant of Brigu. Text two. The Supreme Personality of God had said, My dear Markandeya, you are indeed the best of all learned Brahmanas. 
You have perfected your life by by practicing fixed meditation upon the Supreme Soul, as well as by focusing upon me your undeviating devotional service, your austerities, your study of the Vedas, and your strict adherence to regulative principles. Text 3. We are perfectly satisfied with your practice of lifelong celibacy. Please choose whatever benediction you desire, since I can grant your wish. May you enjoy all good fortune. Text 4. The sage said, O Lord of lords, all glories to you. O Lord Achutta, you can remove all distress for the devotees who surrender unto you. That you have allowed me to see you is the benediction I want. Text number five. And we're going to see a little bit of a contradiction in a later text to that last statement. You're, you, uh, being able to see, you're having allowed me to see you is all the benediction I want. And that seems to be contradicted by his future request. Text number five. Such demigods as Lord Brahma achieved their exalted position simply by seeing your beautiful lotus feet after their minds had become mature in yoga practice. And now, my Lord, you have personally appeared before me. O lotus-eyed Lord, O crest jewel of renowned personalities, although I am satisfied simply by seeing you, and this harks back to the words of Dhruvamaj, doesn't it? Although I am satisfied simply by seeing you, I do wish to see your illusory potency by whose influence the entire world, along with its ruling demigods, considers reality to be materially variegated. Sutta Goswami said, O wise Shonaka, uh, thus satisfied by Markandeya's praise and worship, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, smiling, said, So be it, and then departed for his hermitage at Badrakashram. And this, this is also instructive here that the Lord smiled, and in the purport, it is stated that uh, he, he smiled ruefully. Wasn't this the one? Yeah, there was a rueful smile. Roof, roof, what is it? Rueful? That sounds strange, doesn't it? Say rueful. Rueful, a rueful smile on his face, meaning that, well, you asked for it, buddy. Here it comes. Get ready. So text number 8 and 9, thinking, thinking always of his desire to see the Lord's illusory energy, thinking always of his desire to see the Lord's illusory energy, the sage remained in his ashram, meditating constantly upon the Lord within fire, the sun, the moon, water, the earth, air, lightning, and his own heart, and worshiping him with paraphernalia conceived in his mind. But sometimes, overwhelmed by the waves of love for the Lord, Mark and Dave would forget to perform his regular worship. O Brahmana Shonaka, the, uh, uh, the best of the Brigus. Oh, so uh, this is Sutta Goswami addressing Shonaka Rishi. Uh, and he, he's calling him best of the Brigus. One day while Markandeya was performed, performing his evening worship on the bank of the Pushpabhadra, a great wind suddenly arose. That wind created a terrible sound, 
and brought in its wake fearsome clouds that were accompanied by lightning and roaring thunder, and that poured down on all sides torrents of rain as heavy as wagon wheels. That sounds like something King Indra might have pulled off. Text number 12. Then the four great oceans appeared on all sides, swallowing up the surface of the earth with their wind-tossed waves. And these oceans were terrible sea monsters, fearful whirlpools, and omnibus, omnibus, ominous, ominous, and ominous rumblings. Text 13. The sage saw all the inhabitants of the universe, including himself, tormented within and without by the harsh winds, the bolts of lightning, and the great waves rising above the sky, rising beyond the sky. As the whole earth flooded, he grew perplexed and fearful. And see, here someone should say, Welcome to the material world. Text number 14. Even as Mark and Dea looked on, the rain pouring down from the clouds filled the ocean more and more until that great sea, its waters violently whipped into terrifying waves by hurricanes, covered up the, or all the earth's islands, mountains, and continents. And we've heard of a hurricane recently, a, month, a hurricane that uh, recently inundated uh, Jagannath Puri, wasn't it? And actually damaged the temple. Pardon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a horrible, horrible hurricane. It must have been really, really disastrous winds because it actually just it, it destroyed some some parts of the temple building there. Temple building's been there for thousands and thousands of years, I suppose. Krishna Creeper says the actual building, the temple building, was not touched, but the outlying buildings were affected. I thought I saw some pictures of uh, uh, one of the, some of the, a couple of the lions being destroyed. Jai and Vijay Gate, Gate. So, text number 15, the water inundated the earth, outer space, heaven, and the celestial region. Indeed, the entire expanse of the universe was flooded in all directions, and out of all its inhabitants, only Markandeya remained alone. He's by himself. His matted hair scattered. The great sage wandered about alone in the water as if dumb and blind. How does one wander about in water that has covered all the universe, all the continents and the land masses and the mountains? I guess that means swimming, doesn't it? Unless he's very, very tall. Tormented by hunger and thirst, attracted, no, attacked by monstrous makaras and timingila fish and battered by the wind and waves. He moved aimlessly through the infinite darkness into which he had fallen. As he grew increasingly exhausted, he lost all sense of direction and could not tell the sky from the earth. So there was some earth exposed, apparently. Text 17 and 18. At times, you read all this yesterday, didn't you, Krishna Kripa Boone? 
At all, at times he was engulfed by the great whirlpool. Sometimes he was beaten by the mighty waves. And at other times the aquatic monsters threatened to devour him as they attacked one another. Sometimes he felt lamentation, bewilderment, misery, happiness, or fear. And at other times he experienced such terrible illness and pain that he felt himself dying. This is what you wanted, Mark and Dave. I can just, I can, I can see Krishna looking down, you know, smiling ruefully still. He, wa- he wanted a taste of Krishna's material energy, and so Nara and Narayan provided exactly what he asked for. So he's getting getting hammered by, and sometimes we feel that way, don't we? We're getting hammered by Krishna's material energy when things don't work out as we had hoped they would. Text 19. Countless millions of years passed as Mark and Dea wandered about in that deluge his mind bewildered by the illusory energy of Lord Vishnu, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And today, now, text number 20. Once while wandering in the water, the Brahmin Markandeya discovered a small island upon which stood a young banyan tree bearing blossoms and fruits. So then now we move on into text number 21, and once again, we will not read the Sanskrit. We'll read only the English translations from here and through text number 34. Upon a branch of the northeast portion of that tree, he saw an infant boy lying within a leaf. The child's effulgence was swallowing up the darkness. wonder who that was. The infant's dark blue complexion was the color of a flawless emerald. Um, I thought emeralds were green. Maybe not. In, in some, it says dark blue complexion was the color of a flawless emerald. His, if, it, if it's green, it's a sapphire. Sapphire is dark blue. Yeah, yeah. So a little bit, little bit different, a uh, little bit different descriptions nowadays. Uh, so his his lotus face shone with a wealth of beauty. His throat bore marks like the lines on a conch shell. He had a broad chest. This is a baby. He had a broad chest, a finely shaped nose, beautiful eyebrows, and lovely ears that resembled pomegranate flowers and that had inner folds like a conch shell's spirals. The corners of his eyes were reddish like the whirl of a lotus, and the effulgence of his coral-like lips slightly reddened the nectarian enchanting smile on his face. As he breathed, his splendid hair trembled, and his deep navel became distorted by the moving folds of skin on his abdomen, which resembled a banyan leaf. The exalted Brahmana watched with amazement as the infant took hold of one of his lotus feet with his graceful fingers, placed a toe within his mouth, and began to suck. And I'll read the purport that is given here. It's very short. The young child was the supreme personality of Godhead. According to Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, Lord Krishna wondered, 
So many devotees are hankering for the nectar of my lotus feet. Therefore, let me personally experience that nectar. (laughs) Thus the Lord, playing like an ordinary baby, began to suck on his toes. Text 26. As Markandeya beheld the child, all his weariness vanished. Indeed, so great was his pleasure that the lotus lotus of his heart, along with his lotus eyes, fully blossomed, and the hairs on his body stood on end. And this is a description of Mark and Daya here, not the baby. Confused as to the identity of the wonderful infant, the sage approached him. Short purport. Markandeya wanted to ask the child about his identity and therefore approached him. Not a very long purport. Text number 27. Just then the child inhaled, drawing Markandeya within his body like a mosquito. There the sage found the entire universe arrayed as it, has, as, as, as it had been before its disillusion. Seeing this, Markandeya was most astonished and perplexed. <coughs> Text 28 and 29. The sage saw the entire universe, the sky, the heavens and the earth, the stars, mountains, oceans, great islands and continents, the expanse in every direction, the saintly and demoniac living beings, the forests, countries, rivers, cities and mines, the agricultural villages and cow pastures, and the occasional and spiritual act- no sorry, the occupational and spiritual activities of the various social divisions. He also solved the basic elements of creation along with all of their byproducts, as well as time itself, which regulates the progression of countless ages within the days of Brahma. In addition, he saw everything else created for use in material life. All this he saw manifested before him as if it were real. Text number 30, translation. He saw before him the Himalaya mountains, the Pushbhadra river, and his own hermitage where he had the audience of the sages Nara Narayan. Then as Markandeya beheld the entire universe, the infant exhaled, expelling the sage from his body and casting him back into the ocean of disillusion. Text 31-32. In that vast sea he again saw the banyan tree growing on the tiny island and the infant boy lying within the leaf. The child glanced at him from the corner of his eyes with a smile imbued with the nectar of love, and Markandeya took him into his heart through his eyes. Greatly agitated, the sage ran to embrace the transcendental personality of Godhead. Text 33. At that moment, the supreme personality of Godhead who is the original master of all mysticism and who is hidden within everyone's heart, became invisible to the sage. Just as the achievements of an incompetent person can suddenly vanish. Can you you give me an example of another instance in which uh, the Lord showed himself to his devotee and then he, uh, he vanished immediately? 
Who? Who is it in our time? Who is that? Who is the person that uh, the Lord showed His form to, and then once He had seen the Lord's form, that that form of the Lord immediately vanished. Dhruvamaraj. Who else? Krishna Kripa, can you think of anyone? Seems like there's someone else. Pardon? Yeah, the question was, uh, who was, who is it that the Lord showed his form to, showed his personal form to, and then once his devotee had seen his form, he immediately vanished? Just short conversation. So this this is not the first time the Lord has done this. This is like like he's like uh, he's being a teaser. He says this is what you can see. Nartamanandavu. In India, where Krishna appeared to Shilabhakti Siddhanta, and. And he established the temple there. The disciples did. All right. And finally, text number 34. And this is the final text of the chapter. After the Lord disappeared, O Brahmana, the banyan leaf, the great water, and the dissolution of the universe all vanished as well. And in an instant, Markandeya found himself back in his own hermitage, just as before. <laughs> Krishna, Krishna and his trickery. Om Jnana Timidandasya Jnana Salakaya Chakchurun Militam Jena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namah Shri Chaitanya Madhavishtam Stapitam Jaina Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayatrati Swavadantikam Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Dutta Parakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sagradattam Sahagana Raghunatan Vitam Tam Sajivam Savadvaitam Savadutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakan Vitamscha He Krishna Karana Sindo Dinabando Jagadpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Navostate Taptakan Chanakurangi Radhe Brindamadeshuri Vishabanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Banchakalpatarubhischa Kripa Sindhubhye Pachampatitanambhav Nebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namah Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Hirvaita Karadhara Shiva Sadigur Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Nama Om Vishnu Vadaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale, Srimate Tamal Krishna Gosamaniti Namane.
couple of points from, from this chapter that I've recorded, which I've entitled, Struggling to See the Lord's Material Energy or His Actual Form. So there, there are instances in the Srimad Bhagavatam of persons who really wanted to enjoy Krishna's material energy. And one particular big one, probably one of the biggest demoniac persons, was Hiranyakashipu. And the austerity that he performed, that is, standing on one foot for many, many years, until the ants, the ants built up around his body, ate the flesh off his bones, and still he was so powerful, a mystic, that he was able to maintain his life within his life air, within his, the bones of his body. And then, of course, when Lord Brahma came and offered him benedictions, then uh, he, he restored his very strong, healthy body to him. But this, this is an example of a person who is, who performs severe austerities, the likes of which are not even available to us today. We don't, I mean, where else are you going to read about personalities who did that, who performed such austerities that he practically had to give up his body in order to get what he wanted? There was another, there was another demoniac personality being offering slices of his own flesh in, in the fire to Lord Shiva. And eventually, right before he was going to cut his own head off to get the benediction of Shiva, Shiva, Lord Shiva came to him and said, what are you doing? What's, what's all this about? And so he gave him a benediction that was ultimately to lead to his demise with the help of a little, a little Brahmin boy. Dhruva Maharaj wanted a, a whole kingdom. He had, uh, his father was a king and he had co-wives and, and, uh, one day when Dhruva was playing on the lap of his father, you know, wanting his father's embrace, uh, one of the co-wives who was not his mother, uh, came and said, you know, you should not be on your father's lap. You don't deserve this position. The only way you go, you're going to be able to deserve to, to, to sit on your father's lap is that if you take birth from my womb. So another lifetime maybe, kiddo. So the little boy went back. This is Druva. Druva went back to his mother and was complaining and crying, I guess, because his father could not hold him. And his mother explained, this is just the way it is. And then she gave him a solution to the problem. If you go out to the forest and meditate, you know, and ask the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he will fulfill your desires. And so Dhruva did that, and then when the Lord came to him and actually showed himself, then Dhruva, then he he regained his spiritual intelligence and said, you know, what I was wanting is compared to pieces of broken glass, not emeralds and rubies and diamonds. It was just broken glass, what, what I wanted. And, and I was wanting a kingdom as uh, greater than that of my grandfather, who was Lord, I believe, Lord Brahma. And so, uh, he was awarded, uh, the kingdom of the pole star. And, uh, that's the, that's the, uh, Drugaloka is, that's the planet, uh, we, we say planet. Uh, uh, some people, you know, in modern, modern day scientists would say it's a star, it's not a planet. 
But we happen to know that it is a planet, and it's called a Vaikuntha planet within this universe. And in, within that planet, there is an ocean of milk. And on that ocean of milk lies the form of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Chirudakshayi Vishnu, who is there with his consort Lakshmi, and he's lying on the bed of Sheshanaga, who is, a, who is another form of Lord Balaram. And that, that particular Vishnu form within this material world, of which there are three, that particular form of, of, of Vishnu then also is known as Super Soul or Antaryami within the heart of every living entity. So this was, uh, Dhruva was wanting something. So uh, not only did Krishna come to him, Lord Vishnu came and showed him his form, but he also uh, gave him the rulership of, of a kingdom that was greater than that of his father, greater that, than that of his grandfather. But still, Dhruva realized when he saw the form of the Lord, what a, what a mistake he had made. So I find it interesting then that Markandeya Rishi has, has seen, uh, Nara Narayan. And, and yet, uh, instead of asking for a benediction such as Dhruva Maharaj asked and, and such as, uh, uh, Prahlad Maharaj asked, uh, instead of asking a, a, a really wonderful uh, benediction, uh, Markandeya instead asked the Lord to show him his illusory energy. And is this somewhat similar to uh, Arjuna Prabhu when he was on the chariot uh, at the beginning of the battle of Kurukshetra? Uh, Arjuna asked to see the universal form of Krishna. And so Krishna showed it to him. And it was so bewildering, so fearful, all of these faces and mouths and such. And, and Arjun, Arjun was seeing that all of these soldiers rushing into the mouths of that great universal form, um, that, uh, that he begged Krishna, no, no, please, uh, you know, show me your two-handed form. That's the one I want to see. And so Krishna once again came back to his two-handed form. And said that uh, this this form of mind that you're looking at now is very difficult to attain. So uh, we see that Markandeya uh, has has seen the powerful energy of the Supreme Lord, but he did not even ask to see the Lord in his baby form. And yet Krishna has been so kind to him that in the midst of all this devastation that Markandeya has had to tolerate for, he said, millions of years. Can you imagine? I, I can't imagine even spending an hour out in the ocean. Uh, and here he is staying in that environment for so long a time that finally the Lord was so kind to him that he showed him his form as a baby. And for those persons who say that the Supreme Lord has no uh, physical form, it, the description is given of the different parts of the Lord's body. Uh, so uh, this, this is something that is not available. I was thinking this morning of how in the, Christ, in the uh, Jewish literature, the Old Testament of the Bible, how the uh, the people of Israel were wandering around in the in the desert for forty years after their release from captivity of the Egyptians, 
And so Moses, uh, their leader, went up into the mountain, and and the Lord appeared to him in the form of a bush that was burning but not consumed. And so it is stated elsewhere that uh, that Moses uh, was uh, wanted to see the Lord, so he requested that, and he was put in a in a cleft between two rocks, and the Lord passed by him. It is said, and Moses saw his backside only. And yet, uh, even with this, even seeing a physical form of the Lord, that doesn't mean ordinary, but it it does mean a form, a physical form. Even having that that been that having been recorded in the Old Testament of the Bible, there are still many people who call themselves Christian who think that God has no form, that He only uh, He only incarnates as, as in the body of Jesus Christ and that somehow the Jesus Christ is God having taken on a material body but when Jesus goes back to be with it and this is the irony isn't it when Jesus goes back to be with his father as it is said in other words after he is so-called crucified and then returns to be with his father He's seated on one side of his father, uh, uh, on the right-hand side of his father. So even even with this, and, and you know, if, if God doesn't have a form, then how is it that he has a right-hand side? So people will generally get information about God according to their desires and according to what they've been told. And if they want to believe that God has... Uh, has no human form, then God will say, okay, you don't have to see my human form. I'll, I'll show you my material energy. How will that be? Will that be a nice alternative? And so that appears to be what he's done to Mark and Dea, doesn't it? Even though Mark and Dea is, is glorified by Nara Narayan Rishi. He's glorified as being best of the Brahmanas. And, and uh, talking about his having worshipped Lord Nar, Nar, uh, uh, Narayan, uh, having worshipped the Lord in the past, and and so the Lord is very satisfied with him. But for some reason, and I can only think that this is because of uh, bewilderment by Yogamaya, uh, uh, the spiritual energy of the Lord. That uh, and this is a little speculation on my part that uh, that he is uh, that Markandeya Rishi is. Um, not immediately seeing the form of the Lord, which is so desirable to see, but rather he's seeing what he asked for, and that is the Lord's illusory energy. So I, I suspect that uh, he, he was um, he was uh, inspired by the Lord within his heart to ask for that benediction. Please show me your illusory energy. Just like uh, just like Arjuna was on uh, on the chariot on in the middle of two armies, he said, "Krishna, I want to see your universal form." And so Krishna showed it to him. But he would, just as Markandeya Rishi was bewildered by the illusory energy of the Lord, so so was uh, Arjuna bewildered by what appears to be the the spiritual energy of the Lord. How what else could it be besides the spiritual energy of the Lord? So in both cases. Uh, the living entity uh, was was bewildered by the Lord. In one case, he was bewildered by the Lord's material energy, and in the other case, he was bewildered by the Lord's spiritual energy. And then we got the example of Lord Shiva, whom someone mentioned in class the other day. Was that you, Krishna people? 
how how Lord Shiva was was uh, he asked to see that form of the Lord which which uh, bewildered the minds of the of the demons you know the asuras and and uh, and and so the Lord appeared uh, to the asuras in the form of uh, Mohini Murti, beautiful beautiful woman, and she stole the nectar. Uh, that came from the churning of the ocean of milk. She stole that nectar from the demoniac uh, asuras and gave it to the suras or the demigods. And so Lord Shiva, Lord Shiva, thought, you know, he was really eager to see that form of the Lord. And so uh, when he, when he, Krishna did appear in the form of this beautiful woman, and once again. Uh, very scantily clad and her hair scattered and she's playing with a ball and, and the wind blows away her clothes and then Lord, she was bewildered by the beauty of the Lord. Still, that attraction that Lord Shiva had, Lord Shiva was never attracted by this, by the material energy of the Lord. After all, he is a, he is a, is a, a partial representation of the Lord, isn't he? And that he, he, he is the same as Krishna, just as yogurt is the same as milk. But, uh, yogurt has fewer uses than milk has. And so, uh, it's like, uh, Krishna deciding to appear on the stage as an actor who doesn't show all of his glories in the, in that character. And so Lord Shiva is therefore bewildered by the Lord. And this, this is not the only time that that happened, that he, that Lord Shiva is re, is recorded as having been bewildered by the Lord, uh, when, when the, the Lord's city Dwarka was under attack. Uh, then, uh, one, who was who the, who is the, um, personality who was attacking, uh, Dwarka at that time that, uh, Someone was about to kill him, and he, he and Lord Shiva came to help. Who was that person? Anybody recall the one who was attacking Dwaraka? Was it maybe it was? Who, who was it? Was it Chalva? I, I was thinking he is whoever it was was the son of Bumi, wasn't it? That was another one, Banasura. Pardon? Okay. So that wasn't the one in which uh, Lord... Okay, so it's uh, Shalva then. Shalva was the one that uh, that Lord Shiva uh, was going to save by by creating his own... Yes, Nartamanaprabhu. All right, uh, Nartamanand uh, Nartama Prabhu is talking about uh, there is a, there's been expeditions that uh, found that have found the ruins of the city of Dwaraka, and uh, it's uh, it shows that the the fortress around the city was partially destroyed by this person Chava. So proof proof that what is what is spoken of in the in the Bhagavatam is is true, or is that?
Nartamananda Prabhu is saying, for those of you who are not here, uh, that uh, if you go to history.com and type in uh, Krishna and Shalva or Krishna and Dwaraka and, and Dwaraka. Okay, so proof, proof that that actually did exist. Do we have a microphone that works? And uh, so, there. In other words, um, we have a, we have a personality in our own present time and in recent times that uh, wanted wanted to conquer the entire world. And that was Hitler. Hitler had some desire to enjoy the entire world and and to uh, to gain ownership of it. He wanted simply wanted to own the entire. He wanted to be the supreme ruler of the entire world, and yet he was frustrated in that attempt. Uh, Krishna empowered him for a certain period of time, uh, empowered him, and uh, with that empowerment, he, he used that that empowerment to destroy uh, something like six million persons of the Jewish faith. So there, there are those who uh, want to take the opulences that belong to others because they they're quite sure that they can find happiness within this material world. If they can simply get to uh, exercise their power, and uh, and it's, if if they're powerful enough to take it, then it must obviously been uh, fated for them to be the the owners of the entire world. So um, there are certain persons then who who want to gain Krishna's personal presence, like Ambarish Maharaj was uh, performing um, the austerities for a whole year of not eating and then right at the right at the time that he was supposed to break his fast then uh who was it was that uh drew, drew uh, who was that who was the who was it uh durvasa durvasa muni then came along and and uh wanted wanted him to be fed so anyhow he he tried to he tried to thwart Ambarish Maharaj's desire to do something that would be pleasing to the Supreme Lord. And as a result of that, then Krishna sent his own personal weapon, Sudarshan Chakra, to take care of that situation. Devasamuni conjured up a, a demon who was coming to kill the uh, King Ambarish because he had simply taken some water to end his fast, as he had been advised to do by the Brahmins in his society. And yet, and yet, uh, Dervasa Muni, then uh, he, he objected to that, and he was just looking for some way to bring down this great soul, just like the demigods. Uh, sometimes uh, they send beautiful girls to try to um, try to uh, distract the person, just like they had done with Markandeya. Markandeya, they'd send beautiful girls and and uh, dancers and and there were so all kinds of situations that were sent to distract his mind and yet he was not distracted and yet isn't it amazing isn't it ironic that uh, that uh, markandeya had to go through all of this austerity for millions of years uh, in order to in order to experience the illusory energy of the lord and if he if, if if he had asked if he had simply asked for service to the Lord, my dear Lord, all I want I don't want any benediction for you. All I want to do is to become your servant. If he had done that uh, and taken the mood of uh, Prahlad Maharaj, he could have saved himself so much time. 
But, you know, we, we consider it, we consider it to be amazing that a person can live so long and can gain such mystic power that he can tolerate what Mark and Dea tolerated all those millions of years without any way to escape from it. So, uh, Prahlad Maharaj, he, he performed the right kind of austerity, uh, of simply wanting to engage his playmates in chanting the, chanting about the glories of Krishna. And, and Srila Prabhupada also, he underwent, uh, pretty severe austerities in today's world, especially. Of course, we, we don't see anybody who can perform the kinds of austerities that Hirani Kashipu or even Mark and Dea, uh, Rishi, uh, performed, but in today's world, even uh, we see that uh, Srila Prabhupada is is just outstandingly powerful. That he's able to tolerate all the inconveniences, the uh, the lack of knowing what what was going to be his shelter in this world, and yet having full faith that his spiritual master asked him to do what he was doing, and so therefore, because his spiritual master asked him to do it, he took it up. And he tried hard and went through a whole year. And, you know, that millions of years seems like a, an amazing amount of time for a person to suffer as, as Mark and Dea suffered uh, during that, uh, that cataclysmic devastation of the whole world. Uh, but then Srila Prabhupada, uh, in today's terms then, we we could almost say that he had to suffer as long as Mark and Dea suffered. Or it, it, of course, it's not as long, but it, it just seems like a whole year. Who would not become discouraged and take the next boat out, next boat home? So, Srila Prabhupada, and then there are, many, there are many devotees then, even today, Prabhupada's disciples and even Prabhupada's grand disciples, who will, who will um, take up, this this mood of renunciation and put themselves into difficult positions um, it, uh, to support their families and then also to try to render some personal service to the supreme lord and so this it, the, the, we we think uh, we have been taught that if you simply do this take up this practice as Prabhupada has advised then uh, you will get more then you're really asking for you'll get you get not only will you get as much material um, uh, stuff to deal with as you're asking for as you want, but you will also get the opportunity eventually to do some service for the supreme lord, and that alone is is enough to take us out of this material world. As a matter of fact, what is said in the beginning of the Srimad Bhagavatam, this uh, this this Bhagavatam is the um, how is it stated that it is it, our very, our very, uh, what is it? Very means of conquest uh, over this material energy of the Lord. Simply by reading the Srimad Bhagavatam, you'll gain the faith that you need to be able to chant the holy names of the Lord. And Lord Chaitanya says, that's the only way, the only way, the only way. And we've read also recently in this uh, 11th, 12th cantos of the Bhagavatam how all of the activities that we're engaged in, the devotional activities that we are, we're engaged in, have one ultimate purpose, and that is to help us to, to be able to chant inoffensive, attentive, 
rounds. So we, we take we take then some solace from the words that we read from the experiences of persons that we read about in the Srimad Bhagavatam and in the Mahabharat and in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. And and we take we take encouragement from the experiences of persons who have given up some portion of their lives, given up some pleasures in order to render some some menial service to the Lord. And it's so simple in this day and age, but it's, uh, you know, to render that service as Srila Prabhupada has prescribed it. He didn't say that we had to leave our homes, that we had to leave our families, that we had to go to some distant place and sit in a cave and meditate or sit on, sit beside the river. As a matter of fact, Radhanath Swami did that, didn't he? He went to the Himalayas. He, he sat on the side of the river, but eventually he came down and found his spiritual master, and then he began preaching all over the world. In Bom- found him in Bombay, of all places, Mumbai. Mumbai. He didn't have to go to the Himalayas. He just had to go to Mumbai. Yes, Nartamanabhu. Um, can, you, can you speak on that microphone, please? I don't think it works. Hare Krishna. Oh, yeah, there you go. Dorka Prabhu, he worked with Srila Prabhupada um, for the Bhaktivedanta Institute in science research as a college student in Bombay. Who did? Dorka Iyengar, or one of our vice presidents here. Dorka and Mother Chitra. Yeah. So Dorka, as a college student, Dorka Prabhu, he assisted Srila Prabhupada forming the Bhaktivedanta Institute at the Bombay Temple with Bhakti Sup Damodar Maharaj and others. I did not know that. 1972. Wow. That's amazing. So devotees in this day and age, we don't, we don't have to take up these severe austerities, you know, stand in one place and eat only the leaves that happen to fall in our vicinity and which we can't do. Those things are impossible. As a matter of fact, it's even impossible to sit for two hours and control our minds to the point that all we do is think about the names that we're chanting, the holy names. So Srila Prabhupada has given us a fairly easy thing to do, and it has to be easy for us because we're so incompetent. We don't have any any good qualities when we come to this movement. We don't have any good qualities. And even now, after spending 30, 40, 50 years in this movement, we still wonder, have I, have I made any progress at all? Have, do I have any good qualities now to offer to my spiritual master and to Srila Prabhupada, to Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? Am, am, I, am I ever going to be able to uh, take up the service that a person like a Govinda Prabhu has, has done? He's taken up the service of distributing books every chance that he gets. And this is a, and and besides that, he's got he's got two children now, and he's still doing. So here's a person that is taking care of his household, and he's also uh, rendering some personal service. And there are others, there are others in in this Dallas community who are doing doing the same thing. <clears throat> We're sitting in the temple room with us right now. We have two persons that are disciples of Tamal Krishna Goswami, Krishna Kripa Babu and Narottamananda. And both of them have performed so much service, especially in their younger years, uh, in, in which they, they just put themselves into, into some, some, uh, very uncomfortable positions. Narutamananda went to China 
to help establish the preaching program for with uh, our spiritual master, Tamal Krishna Goswami. And so uh, th- this is something mo- many people in our time will, will never do. They'll never go to a distant place like that and, and, and try to learn enough of the language that you can help those persons uh, uh, get uh, copies of the literature that ultimately lead to their uh, to their becoming devotees. So it's it's an amazing thing to do. Krishna Kripa Prabhu spent his whole life practically down in Houston when he could have been when he when he could when he when he could have stayed in uh, in an illustrious beautiful Mobile, Alabama, and and smell the azaleas every spring. Krishna Kripa and I uh, are both. We're, we were born in Mobile. Uh, my my family moved away in uh, in the mid uh, the early fifties. Moved away, moved to rural Mississippi, where I grew up. But but anyhow, Krishna Kripa was down there, where all the beautiful uh, Gulf Coast uh, homes and and landscapes were. Very beautiful place, especially this time of year. Mobile can be an absolutely beautiful place until un, until until of course until of course a hurricane a hurricane uh, comes uh, comes ashore in, in in Mobile Bay. So anyhow, devotees, uh, our current devotees of the Lord, they're they're taking up austerities to the extent which which we can. We we have to do whatever we can. Those of you who are listening in can't come to the temple every day and be here, and uh, not many people can. Uh, but at the same time, you can listen to philosophy uh, by way of the internet or the radio or telephone, and and you can perform some simple service. And every I'd say for you mothers who are listening in that that have prepared your children, taken them to school, and now maybe have a little time to spend on your own spiritual life, and maybe you've helped husbands get ready to go to work, all these things that you're doing, you know, you're helping to establish a household in which Krishna is present and in which he's going to help you uh, with with your uh, the process of, of living your household life and raising your children, so that when you become uh, old as some of us are, uh, you can look back and say, "Well, at least we tried, Lord, we tried." Hare Krishna. We'll end here. Ask if there are any other comments that you, that you would like to make. Nartamanapu. You know, you were referring to. Um Simplicity, trying to simplify life as a, you know, as an austerity. And um, I was reading from Burijan Prabhu's compilation called Japa, the book. And uh, he's saying that's the most powerful way to um, perfect the chanting of Hare Krishna. That um, when one, when you can simplify your life so that your thoughts aren't, um, you know, variegated and also... Uh, for example, he was giving the um, he was giving an uh, an example of how the mind fights against the conditioned soul as an instrument of the material energy. As a, 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 the, the mind is impelled by the modes of material nature until one becomes free from that influence. So he was talking about how if you tell your mind to chant sixteen rounds, your mind will fight you. 
very fiercely. Oh, you have so many things to do. Oh, you can't come. You can't chant. You can't sit. You can't. All of that. Then he said, if even if you, even if you, um, just tell your mind to chant one round, even the complexity of chanting one round is going to create a reaction from the mind that will create a barrier to chanting. And He's, it's so simple to do. But he, he said, if you simplify your task down to simply chanting one name, just telling the mind, just chant one name and listen. One name. He said the simplicity of it, it, the mind cannot fight against that. So he's saying if you just simplify your chanting down to one name, Hare, just listen to one name, Krishna. Hare, Krishna. And you'll see, you know, some of the uh, worshipful devo- devotees in our movement, like uh, Giriraj Maharaj, when he's here chanting, you'll see he just concentrates on one name very slowly, very attentively. And um, but the reaction, the the result is is as you can see in the in the example of Burijan Prabhu or Giriraj Maharaj or others, you know that they're actually perfecting their devotion. Simplicity, the beauty of simplicity. It could be a great book, actually. So they're they're actually performing as Prabhupada re- requested that they perform, and more. Anyhow, some not all of us are capable to be Bori John Prabhus or Giri Raj Maharajas. We're not, we're not able to do that, or at least we don't think we're able to do that. We don't have the will to do that. No, I'm giving them as an example. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, of course, we're hoping that, you know, our spiritual identity is something, you know, superior to our immediate material scenario. But my point is that simplicity in thought and action leads to perfection Do you think that's what part of what Srila Prabhupada had in mind when he was talking about simple living and high thinking? But more than that, I understand what you're saying, that uh, if, you, if you can't chant 16 rounds, at least chant one round. And if you can't chant one round, at least chant one name, one holy name. Chanting, uh, concentrating on chanting one name at the time. And I, I, I also have heard uh, on Facebook, I see that uh, Giriraj Maharaj has put up, a, 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 one of his disciples has put up a little page uh, with his, uh, his chanting japa. And he, it's amazing to me, I don't know how long it would take him to chant 16 rounds. He, he chants so deliberately. He's a very deliberate person, isn't he, in the way he speaks? It's as though he weighs every word that comes out of his mouth. And looking at that Facebook page of Giri Maharaj, then it, it, it seems that um, that he is as deliberate with his chanting as he is with his speaking in the Bhagavatam class, if not more so. Yes, sir. You know, another question um, that would arise naturally is this description of the material energy. Um, You know, 
when we talk about the material energy, it just seems to be, um, it seems to be functioning on the basis of um, destroying the conditioned soul, annihilating the, the material creations, uh, you know, material success. Everything seems to be uh, under attack by the material energy, you know, fierce waves, giant Godzilla's, um, you know, uh, uh, lost for millions of years in darkness and, and, you know, uh, and then, and then even when you come to the point of, uh, of the beautiful women, you know, trying to drag this sage down from his perfection and uh, of controlling his senses and making him into an animal and, you know, all, all of these different things are, you know, the material energy just seems so, um, uh, you know, such an enemy to the conditioned soul. Um, and yet, you know, we, we are living in an environment that is, oh, we're, we're being told that this is enjoyment. We're being, even to the point where people take their body, which is creating even so much misery. I mean, especially in older ages, as I've, you've told me many times, you know, the pains, the misery, the forgetfulness, the, you know, the, the filth. And yet the people are are somehow convinced that this body is the vehicle by which one will enjoy. I thought that 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 to me is a, a you know the description of the material energy. I mean, even today, I mean, if you look around, you know, just turn the news on, you know, people people being blown apart, riots, uh, you know. Uh, all the, 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 and the bodily, um, the bodily, uh, you know, racial conflicts. You know, there was a joke posted recently where there was this, uh, African American who, you know, had been stabbed and shot and, uh, you know, so many times and he was hanging from a street post and when they reported it, they said worst case of suicide that had ever been seen. <laughs> Maybe that was in Alabama. <laughs> whoop, whoop, hang on, wait a minute. We, we want everybody who's listening in to be able to hear you. Go ahead. Well, in, in reference to that, um, we tend to make the material world appear the way we want it to appear so that we appear as something different than we are. You know, by, by in other words, one of the most important things in, in trying to eradicate a civilization, like at war times and things like that, is that you dehumanize the enemy. It's a military tactic, has been for years, right? Um, which isn't necessarily true. They're still humans. I mean, Muhammad Ali got in trouble during the Vietnam War because he said, I have no fight with the Asians. Why would I go over there and kill them just so that some other government can take over? And and they put him in prison for that. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a normal thing to do to dehumanize the rest of the material Energy, so that we can feel superior to it without actually getting out of it, just like Hitler. I mean, 
history is that Hitler was part Jewish. So why did he try to eradicate Judaism within Europe? There's, you know, illusory reasoning and, and tactics behind all this. Um, and I only mention that because you brought it up. So the real thing is, we have to see the entire material world, as Mark and Dea just saw it, as a dangerous place where there is no shelter save and except for the supreme personality of Godhead. And as we see that, whether we ex- we can escape or, or, as we put it, advance to the stage where we feel that we've really gotten out of the clutches of the material energy, it's really, we please Krishna by our efforts to get out, by our efforts to have faith that what Krishna is telling us is true, that we can trust the scriptures, that we can trust the spiritual masters. And even then we've seen so many shortcomings in, in our life, in our time. I mean, you know, you, we can say we're this old and we've done this much and it's been this many years. But the Bhagavatam is millions of years and still we see that age after age after age, great personalities are still having trouble mm-hmm. trying to perfect their spiritual life. And Krishna is always there, always, to pick up the pieces and place them again in a situation they can thrive spiritually. So we have to look at these relative to our situation. What, what Mark and Dea Rishi just went through, we would never be able to do. But what he realized was the material illusory energy is dangerous unforgiving and all-encompassing. And we get that every day also, just as Narottam Prabhu is saying, just turn on the news and see how bad it is. But then we go to work thinking, oh, it'll be better today. Or we go to do this, oh, it'll be okay. (laughs) So Krishna only looks at how much we were able to turn away from and come towards him. And, And therefore, his perspective is what matters. If he sees that you've really done everything you could do in this life, how's he going to look at it? How do we look at our children when they do everything they can possibly do to be good people and, and responsible adults and good family people? We, we don't care what went wrong. Neither does Krishna. So we have hope and faith that, that by doing what Krishna wants, we're getting somewhere. We, we come here, like you were saying, just to come to the Bhagavatam class. It's a challenge. But if you're willing to make that challenge, you benefit. Even if it's incremental and you don't see it, there's benefit. One devotee was talking about someone in the Bhagavatam class. This was this weekend, I heard them say. said, I've noticed that this particular person in Bhagavatam class is almost always smiling. And I thought about that. I thought, wow, that's an interesting thing to notice. That somebody would be smiling during class. I never worked. I know when I was in class in school, in college, it never made me happy. When I heard the bell announcing (laughs) that you could get out of there, I was happy. But being in class was not the happiest place I could think about being, even in a university. 
So it's just interesting how that works. We're incrementally advancing whether we believe it or see it or not. Because Krishna is still the supreme controller. We aren't. We have hope. Well, we hope that Krishna is uh, remembering all the good stuff we do and forgetting all the bad stuff we do. As long as we remember the bad stuff we did, we can keep going forward. (laughs) You know, I've also heard something recently said that um, (laughs) uh, one should... Uh, one should never remember, uh, no, what is it? Uh, one should always remember uh, the good things that someone else has done for him and never remember the good things that you've done for someone else. Very nice accent. That was really nice, Krishna Kripa. Thank you, Puru. Hey, you know, I was, I've been... Um, I've been thinking about things that Srila Gurudev had done with me. And one of the things that he did was, and I thought it was really, really unique. I'd never seen this before. He had taken all of Prabhupada's books and he made an index of every topic from every book. So if you, for example, you take the index from Bhagavad Gita, right? So there's A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? And then you have A, so you'll have different topics, right? Like uh, anger or austerity or whatever. So, but he took that those indexes and he went book by book by book and he took all of the um, verses from each different volume of Prabhupada's books and he added them into a, into his own personal index. So, like, rather than just having the verses in the Bhagavad Gita that deal with anger, he had all the verses from the Gita, from the Bhagavatam, from Chaitanya Charitamrita, or other, and other literature. So, when you would talk to him, he got up to three thousand verses. Because one of my um, one of my things, because some of the verses overlap a little bit, one of my services was to write. I don't know if you saw this. He had this tin box, and he had the verses in the box on note cards. So one of the things he would get me to do is write the verses on the note, you know, the, with the, you have this, 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 the Roman transliteration, then you'd have the word for word on the verse. And then of course he was reading the purports, you know, so he was like a walking, you know, topical index. And, um, Giriraj Marsh sent me something recently on Facebook and he had indexed like he has uh, created an index of, of um, purports and comments and letters and things. So if you, you know, get a response from Giriraj Marsh, you'll see usually there'll be an indexed topic that is connected to your to your discussion with him. And I was telling Maharaj, you know, this is something I saw. So um, I was doing, I've been doing that a little bit, and. Um, because I'm on the road, I have a lot of study time. And um, so there was a verse that I learned recently. It was actually a purport. Because some of the topics, Prophet references purports. And some of them, generally it's the verse itself. But sometimes he does reference the purport. So I was looking at auspicious and inauspicious. Because I was thinking most of us are motivated by things. You know, auspicious means something that's going to really benefit me monetarily or personally or whatever. And inauspicious is something that's going to be a hardship for me. So I was reading this and um, I I tried to memorize it. Prophet writes um, that anything done under the direction of Krishna 
is transcendental. It cannot be influenced by the reactions of the modes of material nature, which may be considered auspicious or inauspicious. So the concept that things are auspicious or inauspicious within this material world is more or less a mental concoction. This is what Prabhupada writes here. You can see it in the Bhagavad Gita if you reference auspicious. So whatever we're thinking is good or bad in this world is more or less a mental concoction. Mm. Prabhupada says that everything in the material world is inauspicious because the very material nature is inauspicious. Prabhupada writes, we only imagine things to be auspicious or inauspicious. So that was Krishna Kriva's point. You know, I was thinking, wow, that's such a good point, you know, that we're just imagining these things. You know, we're imagining something is good for us, something is bad for us, something is happening to, you know, all these things. It's really, we're living um, in a state, a psychological state. Like Prabhupada calls it a phantasmagoria. But, um, but then he says that real auspiciousness depends upon action in Krishna consciousness in full devotion and service. I'm sorry. It, we say, I mean, it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother topic, but you know, like the Mayavadis say that we should reject the material energy because everything is false. Material energy is false. But the Vaishnavas accept the material energy is both true and false. And uh, the Prabhupada gives the example of uh, having a million dollars. Uh, just like if you look at it just in terms of what it is, it's just it's a, it's a bunch of useless paper. Like if it blows into your yard, right? Some paper blows in your yard, you just throw it in the trash. But the, a person that understands the intrinsic value of the, of the currency note can invest it and do amazing things. So the same way Prabhupada said that, yes, the manifestations of this material world are temporary and therefore we accept them as false. But when we understand that the material energy is the property of the Supreme Lord and is invested with intrinsic value as his energy and we use it in devotional service, then we benefit. So the Mayavadis don't see that. They say just reject the material energy. Anyway, that's a whole other philosophical thing. They, uh, they might say reject the material energy, but I doubt they miss many plates of prasadam. Yeah, they generally don't miss meals. <laughs> no meals. No meals missed. It, say the material world may be illusory, but uh, let's go eat. <laughs> so maybe we should, uh, we should stop now. Oh, we've gone way over time. Anyhow... For those, for those of you who are listening in, I, I, I hope you have noted that uh, the topics of the Bhagavatam can lead to some pretty interesting discussions here among those of us who are present. And so anytime that you have an opportunity to engage with other people in talking about even just one verse, if you, if you can do that, you know, sometime when you're around 
when you have friends over or family members over, even if you can just talk about one verse of the Srimad Bhagavatam, so much benefit can come from it. And if the other persons have their minds engaged in, in actually thinking about things, then you, you can get some really interesting ideas. So at this time, we will say, um, uh, we will offer our obeisances to all the Vaishnava devotees of the Lord, who are just like desire trees, who fulfill the desires of everyone, and who are full of compassion to the fallen conditioned souls. Bhantakalpa tarubis cha kripas nabi eva cha patidanam pavanebhu Vaishnava namo namah. Anantakoti Vaishnavinda Ki Jai Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai Shishi Vata Kalachandidam Ki Jai Gora Premananda Hari Ki Hari Gora